Hello and welcome to the Varmints Podcast in our special series of national podcast posting month shows a frog a day. We're not animal experts, but every episode we're going to do our best to educate ourselves and you, the listener, about all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet one animal at a time. Varmints Podcast is on all the social things and you can find a list of them at linktree slash varmints podcast that's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash varmints podcast or use your very favorite search engine and you will find us coming up the third in a four-part series of interviews with henry adams ms from the lincoln park zoo he is the wildlife management coordinator for the urban wildlife institute in chicago Note to Varmin and Kate Willinga, we had a technical problem with the last part of this interview, so your series of questions was interrupted. We'll ask them again in part four when we do our follow-up chat with Henry. Thank you for your patience and the fun questions. And now, without further ado, part three. Our next question is from Paul Chomo. Paul's the guy that used to host the show with me, and he doesn't anymore. He has a new show about pirates, which is... Oh, very fun. I am simply asking for help with getting my wife's permission to let me keep a frog. I'd also like to know if J. Frogerton Hopsworth Esquire is a good name for a frog, or if you have another suggestion. Thanks. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I, I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant, brilliant start. For background um, also, he already has a corn snake and a dog. So. A corn snake and a dog. And I think that, a, I think that a, between the, between the corn snake and the fro and the dog, I believe a frog would be a perfect addition. <laughs> frogs are pretty darn, frogs are pretty darn cool. Critters maybe consider just for the noise factor, maybe consider getting a female just so they're not going to call at two in the morning. <laughs> I've had that issue before. Good to know. <laughs> generally speaking, the, um, you know, generally speaking, the males are going to be the ones that do the, like the mating calls. De- there are definitely plenty of exceptions and females do vocalize, but generally speaking, it's going to be the males that are going to be the ones that are like, you know, when it's, a lot of frogs are nocturnal, and so you know those are going to be the ones that are out and like being like wah, wah, at two in the morning. Like, oh, <laughs> I, uh, during quarantine, I was working for the Amphibian Foundation, this wild profit non uh, this uh, wildlife nonprofit in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was the assistant director of education. I was helping run a bunch of our camps, and I had tons of program animals in my room, um, in my little in my little two-bedroom apartment in Atlanta with my roommate and so they were all living in my room during quarantine and I would do like a zoom camp and I had some white's tree frogs also known as the Australian tree frog or the dumpy's frog and he would go absolutely off um at two in the morning and it was really funny that's awesome but it scared the business out of me the first time it happened so what's your opinion of Jay Frogerton Hopsworth Esquire as a name for a frog 
I, I think it's a brilliant name. I'm mostly just curious as to what kind of law they're going to practice. You know, are they like a family lawyer? Are they? I, I want to know the deal. Um, and then, and then, my only other suggestion is um, as a. I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with the show Amphibia on Disney, but it is a darling cartoon show. Yeah, that show's adorable. Yeah, I absolutely treasure that show. And one of the main characters' name is is Hopadia Planter, and so I'm pretty obsessed with that name. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty spot on. That would be my only other suggestion. <laughs> Yeah, Jay Frogger and Hopsworth Esquire. Just, I really want to know, like, where do they get their JD? Like, what's the deal there? Like, this is a distinguished frog. He's a criminal lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I have I, I have nothing but respect for for Hopsworth JD Esquire. They need their own TV show. All right, so I'll handle Luke's question, and then if Curtis could take Chris's question afterward. Luke says, Luke Umshide says, are all frogs good for eating? <laughs> and I'm assuming he means by humans, because I would assume that probably all frogs are good for eating by something. But maybe not. Maybe the poison ones aren't great for eating for anything. Right. So, you know, there are, so there are species of poison dart frogs. There's one called Ficolor terribilis. And if that, you know, this, that species name doesn't give it away, its toxin is one of the most potent toxins on planet Earth. Wow. And I, oh goodness, I always forget the metric for like, you know, a milliliter of this can kill however many people. But it is, it is a deeply, deeply potent toxin. I think that one frog can kill like 20 people or something like that. Um, somewhere upwards of that. So don't eat that one. He's going to need a good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, this is where Hopsworth Hopsworth comes in. This is the this is the criminal case against Bicolor Terribilis. Um, oh my gosh, <laughs> Paul's got us covered. So I would definitely not recommend eating that one. I was thinking about how to answer this question earlier because, like I was mentioning earlier, the the American bullfrog is a really large, is like a huge agricultural like member of the agricultural industry. My family's from Tallahassee, Florida, and we've had our fair share of frog legs in my time, you know, and they're pretty good, but I can't imagine that like, some of them I'd imagine would be like, not enough meat on them to like really make it like worth your while. Right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the short answer, no, not all frogs. Please don't eat all frogs. <laughs> A lot of them are gonna make you really sick. Mostly all of them. Moss, don't do it. What about Chris Yaney's question? Okay, Chris Yeeney asks, how many North American locations named Frogtown are there? And the follow-up, do most locations named Frogtown originate due to an abundance of spring peepers, such as Clarion County, Pennsylvania location that they've shown in a lovely Frogstown photo? Wow, I, again, was perplexed and fascinated by this question, but did do a little bit... Hush. I was mostly inspired by some of the... Res in Facebook Hush. chain responses to it. <laughs> you have to wait. I don't think are in our script anymore, but <laughs> some folks were like, or was it original like was it inspired by the that movie was like where where the like action movie in Frogstown LA? <laughs> so the short answer, I, I, I did some Googling. I couldn't really find out how many frog towns there are in, in the US. 
but I love that. I, and I did some did some yeah. research on the Pennsylvania location. Didn't see anything about spring peepers, though that's really great. But what I did find out a little bit more about was the frog town in L.A., which is also darn it. It, it has a it has a different. It's like a Maris Valley or something like that. I forget uh, what the full name is, but basically this this neighborhood in L.A was named Frogtown, I found out, because between the 1930s and some, somewhere in the 1930s and 1960s, they just had like a huge proliferation of Western toads in the streets of this particular neighborhood in, in Los Angeles. So many to the point that it was <laughs> that the, the name Frogtown just stuck somewhere yeah. in the mid-1900s. And I was looking a little bit more of, uh, like, I was looking a little bit more into, like, the geology and the geography of that neighborhood. And it's really, really close to the L.A. River. L.A. is pretty, a, pretty hot, a pretty hot joint to be in. But this particular neighborhood is right by the L.A. River and actually has a really large, like, a really notable urban green space. So I was thinking that that was, uh, that was pretty neat and probably explain why this particular spot in LA just had so many toads proliferating in it um, back in the mid-1900s. Interesting. I wonder how many frog towns there are. Nice. I've never nice. even heard of a frog town, but I bet there's a lot of them. Yeah. There's a horrible B movie that involves a place called Frogtown. Oh, I was, I was waiting to see if anybody else was going to mention <laughs> Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> Well, that's that's what the um, that's the, that was the movie that uh, inspired or that I was looking into, um, and and some folks had commented on this question on the on, on Facebook and it mentioned Hell Comes to Frogtown, and so that's the L.A. neighborhood that that it refers to. That's that Frogtown, apparently. That's definitely not the Frogtown in the movie. <laughs> that Frogtown, that Frogtown got frog people in it. Really? Oh shoot! That's so funny. <laughs> It's a great movie. Well, okay, sure, sure, sure. There you go. Elysian Valley. Elysian Valley is a northern neighborhood in Los Angeles that that is AKA Frog Town, okay. apparently. And I'm I'm looking up at like um, uh do, 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 do. Oh, it's not gonna Okay, it's not gonna say. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> so Kurt, you wanna handle Alyssa's She says, I'm Team Frog. Mostly because over the garden wall. Oh. Yes. So what is Over the Garden Wall? Absolutely. It's a cartoon about like really good oh, man. fall oh. Halloween things, but also there's there's a frog in it what sings and plays the piano. Ooh. Well we're gonna have to look into that. Oh, it's uh it is a quality quality uh piece of programming. I think it's by Pendleton Ward and the other folks who made Adventure Time. Uh, okay. No, not Pendleton Ward. Um, One of the guys who like who had worked with him on Adventure Time. I can't think of his oh. name. I want to say it's Matt something. Oh, thank you. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But yeah, similar similar folks originally did it, I think it originally aired on Cartoon Network. I've been I I already did my um my very first pre-fall re rewatch of it. Yep, yep. you got to <laughs> you got to you got to um we're still having our summer weather, but once it, uh, I think that next, next week it'll drop into the sixties and, um, and you better believe that I am back on over the garden wall watching. Well, I've never seen it, so I'm going to watch it. I was looking at some images on the internet here, just briefly looking and gosh, it oh, it's so pretty. good. It looks really pretty. Love now now is the time of the year to watch it. Nice. 
Okay, Kurt, why don't you take Kate's questions yeah, as well, since really, that really was good. just such a little shorty. Kate Walenga asks, what are your favorite lizard or amphibian species names, scientific or casual? If you got to name a new species, how would you decide what to call it? And what's a non-herpetology situation in which you've used your job skills? Last but not least, how often do people assume that herpetologists study viral diseases? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Since since I'm chuckling so much about that last question, I'm going to start with that one, actually. Fortunately, it happens a little less frequently nowadays, but I remember, so I, you know, I've been, I've been into wildlife. Like I knew that I wanted to be a wildlife ecologist since I was two. And when I really got into studying herpetofauna in like middle school and high school, as you might imagine, the, um, the jokes were never ending for my classmates. So pretty frequently, (laughs) as you might imagine. And, and of course my fellow high schoolers could be little stinkers about it sometimes but most of the time people are like oh they're a little they're a little nicer especially being up here in the midwest where they're just like um yeah what <laughs> what, mm, what is that it's like it's okay amphibians and I'm like oh okay cool 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 cool, cool. okay neat um <laughs> um i was actually hoping y'all could help me out with this third one uh or rather the the second to last question the non-herpetology situation which i use my job skills All right, that's it. That's the interruption part. Looks like we're going to have to readdress that in part four. This show was produced by me, Donna Hume, on land belonging historically to the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho Native American tribes with intro music by Infomercial USA and bed music by Track Tribe. Our logo was created by Imran Javed. If you enjoyed the show, why not give a couple of bucks to us at buymeacoffee.com slash podcast where 90% of the proceeds will go to the Wild Animal Sanctuary in Keensburg, Colorado. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And as usual, be nice to animals. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at podfix on Twitter, official underscore podfix on Instagram, at podfixnetwork on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network. Artist owned and loved.